0: Well, hey, everybody. Happy Daylight Savings Time Day. I know we're all paying on this end, right? But it is nice when you get home from work and you get a little extra daylight, so we, I guess we endure it. I'm so glad you guys are here. I, I don't know if any of you think you're actually in the 10 o'clock service, but this is the 1130 service. I hope you'll take look in your uh, program, take your outline out, and follow along and take some notes as we talk about a hunger for God's Word. As Paul said, this, book, this series is based on the book, The Insanity of God. It's a great book. Pastor Paul recommended this book to me and the staff. I, I got a copy. I started reading it. And as I read it, I was just blown away by just how these people not only survive persecution, but they thrive during persecution. And a few days ago, I was sitting out in the lobby having lunch with uh, our facilities manager, Rick Osmond. And we're talking and I was sharing a little bit about this book with him. And how, man, how blessed we are with all, you know, we have the freedom to worship. And he said, but come on, Dwayne, let's be honest. Wouldn't you like to have a period of persecution so you could really test your faith and know that it was real? And I said, no. Hey, <laughs> that's what happens when you used to be in the military. I don't know, you're a tough guy. But I was like, man, I'll be honest with you, Rich. I don't like pain. <laughs> I just don't like pain. I want people to like me. I don't want to be dragged off to prison or lose my family or lose my job. No, I wouldn't want to go through that. But the truth is, I've wondered that before. Maybe some of you wondered, what would it be like if something ever happened and I was, I was arrested and tortured for my faith? And could I endure it? When I was a young young man, I used to think about that. Sometimes. I know it sounds kind of morbid, but I used to wonder, would I be able to endure that kind of persecution? I don't know. Anybody else ever wondered that? Is it just me? Maybe you're going to be wondering it now. I had this thought in my head. And you know, God encouraged me. One, one day I was reading His Word and He encouraged me. He said, you know... It just dawned on me: no matter what happens, no matter what comes, God promises to go through it with you. He promises to go through it and strengthen you, and encourage you, and help you to face whatever may come. And so, kind of didn't really have that nagging worry in the back of my head anymore. I was able to set that aside. Well, Nick Nick traveled around, the author of this book, and he interviewed Christians who'd been persecuted for their faith, whose whose faith had undergone this kind of trial, and. A, First Peter 1 Peter 1:7 says these trials will show that your faith is genuine that it's real. It says it is being tested. Your faith is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Said so, you know you go through trials, you go through difficulties, persecutions and God is testing and refining your faith. And Nick found four common things that believers had in common that wherever they were in the world that went through persecution. The first we talked about last week was passion for worship. We encourage you not just to come on the weekend and worship with your church family, but have a time each day when you take a few moments to worship God. You find some music that you love that helps you to worship God, and you sing and you express your love to Him in your car or in your office or wherever it might be. Sometimes I'm singing in my office and Pastor Paul's pounding on the pounding on the wall, hey, knock it off, you sound terrible, and I just sing louder. <laughs> but you take some time to worship God. You know, we, we put um, six playlists on our church website last week. I hope you went and checked that out, because there's 60 songs that you can listen to, 60 worship songs to help you find some songs to help you to express your heart and worship God. So you just go to visit Crossroads. Dot church, and you put backslash worship, and there's some playlists there, and you can listen to those songs for free. Hope you check those out. I hope you'll be here this Wednesday when we worship together at, at, at our night of worship. It's such a privilege we have to worship God freely. Today, we're going to be talking about a hunger for God's word. I mean, that's where God comforted me in my, those, those worries and fears that we sometimes have. God comforted me through his word. And next week, we'll be looking at devotion to prayer. And then the fourth character or quality is a faithfulness to share about Jesus, no matter the cost. And through this series, we want to urge you, don't just sit and take it in, but begin to practice these things in your life if you're not already doing it. Take these things and begin trying to implement them into your life, because you need to build a resilient faith. You need to build a resilient faith, because if you're not in a storm now, storms are coming. That's your first fill-in there on the outline. Maybe some of you here today, you already feel like your life is a storm. You're already facing a lot of struggles and challenges and hardships. But if you're not there right now, let me tell you, those times are coming. Now, Right now, we don't have to worry about somebody dragging us off to prison because we went to church or because we own a Bible or because we invited somebody to church. But, you know, Satan works in other ways to, to trip you up and challenge you. And you may be facing some challenges with your health or the health of a loved one. You may be facing some financial challenges or some parenting challenges or some relationship issues. And you're just going through it. And you, hear this, you get this little voice in your head just telling you, you know, where's God in all this? Does God really care about you? Why is life so hard? And you start to hear these, these doubts, and, and your faith gets a little shaky. And you need to build that strong foundation to endure those storms. Because wherever you live, whatever kind of situation you're in, Satan wants to discourage you and tear down your faith. The Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we need to do our part to cooperate with God to build a resilient faith. So first thing uh, there on your outline, the number one, God's Word is the foundation of resilient faith. It's the foundation. You need to build it into your life. Jesus said this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. You've got a good foundation. Can you circle the word listens and the word follows? See, it's not enough to just show up and listen you got to follow it. you got to read it for yourself and take his word and begin to follow it. And Jesus said, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it says it is, is foolish. It's like a person who builds a house on sand. And then Jesus said, when, not if, when. The rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house. It will collapse with a mighty crash. Man, You've got to prepare now. You've got to build your life on the right foundation. Now in his book, Nick tells a lot of stories about these believers. He talked to them about their stories. And he interviewed these older pastors. And they told him in the 1950s in Russia during the Soviet Union, you know, they, they were practicing a very pure form of communism. They wanted to stamp out any belief in God. They didn't believe in God. And so they wanted to crush it, stamp it out. And so many of the believers had to begin to meet in secret. And they would worship in their homes, like 20 or 30 people, just close family members and friends, people that you could trust. They didn't go out to a church building or meet with other believers, they just met in secret. And so over time, they're meeting there in these homes. And these three pastors got together and they thought, man, we have all these young people in these house churches but they don't have any chance to meet other young people who love God. and Where would they ever find a, a godly spouse? And Wouldn't it be great to get them together so they know that they're not alone? And so they decided to have this, this conference, and they invited different house churches they knew about. They invited all the young people to come, all the young adults. Now, some people warned them not to do it. They said, you're going to get caught, you're going to get in trouble. And sure enough, after it was all over, these pastors wound up in jail for at least three years each. But they said it was worth it. All these young people got together, about 700. And uh, these pastors said, we're going to break you up into small groups for the week. And here's what we want you to do, because you guys don't own the Bible, but you've heard the stories over the years. You've, You've been taught the scriptures. It's been passed down to you. We want you to see how much of the gospels, how much of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can write out from memory. And by the end of the week, all these little groups meeting, they put it all together. They found, these pastors said, we found out that they could reconstruct Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with only about six or seven errors. And all, they, they were able to reconstruct it. They knew God's word so well. And here's what Nick wrote. He said, under communism, the church had found a way to survive and often thrive. They didn't just endure it, but they, they got stronger. He said, scripture and holy song was its lifeblood, was this lifeblood. He said, but now, and he's talking to these pastors in Russia, now that they had more freedom, he said, in a much freer day for the church, Scripture and holy song did not seem nearly as important. People weren't valuing it as much because they had their freedoms back. And sometimes I'm afraid we make the same mistake here. We don't value God's word and and worship together and individually because we take it for granted. But this, the scriptures, God's word and holy song, it gave the lifeblood for this movement where the church survived and endured and grew during the persecution. (coughs) Second thing. God's word is the fuel, it's the fuel of resilient faith. It's the fuel that keeps us going. It's like putting gas in your car, or charging your electric car, or putting food in your body. You need fuel to function, to keep going, so that you don't run out of steam. And God uses his word. Somehow he uses his word through the power of the Holy Spirit to produce faith in us. I mean, have you ever wondered, maybe some of you are struggling to believe right now, so I've had people tell me, Dwayne, I really want to believe, but I just can't seem to believe, or, or I'm having a lot of doubts. How do we produce? How does God produce faith in us? Where do we build up our faith? Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Not just the red words in your Bible, but all the words of the Bible are the words of Jesus, are God's word. Faith comes from hearing, hearing it. God gave us his word to produce faith in us. You know, sometimes when you go through tough times, you start to doubt. Is God really real? Can I really count on him? Can I trust him? Sometimes believers in, in persecution, they're wondering like, where is God? What is God doing? Why would he allow this to happen? But then they remember what God, Jesus warned them. God prepared them. God said, people are going to hate you because of me but don't despair. I'll be with you. I'll strengthen you. I'll encourage you. And it reminds them that they're not alone, that this is what they should expect. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm worshiping God. I love God. My life should be better and easier. But actually you get a target on your back. Satan wants to attack you and discourage you. And then as they're going through these horrible things in prison, through the persecution, God's word reminds them, you know what? This world is really messed up, but this isn't how it's always going to be. In just a short, short season, a short time here on earth, and then your time is going to come to an end, you're going to go to heaven to be with God forever. It gives them hope to endure. I love what it says in Romans 15, 4. Everything was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Can you underline the words endurance and encouragement? God's Word. You you get God's Word into you, and you begin to read it and follow it. It will help you to endure. It will encourage you, and it will give you hope. Circle that word, hope. Put a star by it, because without hope, it's really hard to endure anything. But if you have hope, you can endure and last and hang in there. And God's Word gives us hope, the endurance and the encouragement. You can't last a day without hope. Third thing that, that you need to do, you've got to make a commitment. you got to say, I'm going to feed myself. You've got to feed yourself on God's word. Jesus, was a, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he says this, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said, yeah, you need food. You need food for your body. You need physical food, but you also need God's word for your soul. John chapter 1 tells us Jesus is the Word. Jesus is a very expression of God's heart. He came to communicate a picture of God's love and grace and desire to know us and to love us. And so he's the Word. And so we have to feed on him. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone. We need that spiritual bread. Let me ask you a question. How often do you eat? How often do you eat? Every day, man, well, every two hours, I'm a grazer, I eat, I eat too much, but most of us eat every day, right? Why not? If you don't eat, you get what? Hangry, hangry right? Yeah, I like those Snickers commercials, so true, <laughs> so true. I, I could tell you some stories, but my wife would kill me. So you get hangry, right? You get hangry, and you, you get irritable, and you get grumpy, and you run out of energy and steam. You just can't keep going. Well, what happens when, when you don't eat spiritually, Man, the same thing starts to happen to you spiritually. Your face starts to get a little weaker, starts to shrivel up. You feel less peace. You feel more stress. You feel more anxiety. I mean, I know. I've, I've experienced it when I've allowed myself to do that. Man, you just start. It affects you. You feel more negative. You feel less positive, less hopeful. You have less hope and endurance. Someone said if you're not feeding yourself regularly on God's word, then you're probably full of yourself just fully yourself, and you need God's Word. And one thing I know, that God created you and me, He created us with a hunger to know Him. He created us with a hunger for God's Word, but so often we live in this world where so many things are crying out for our attention, and we let them crowd it out, and we stop feeding ourselves on God's Word, and we, we, we say we're too busy, and we just get all caught up. Jesus said this, the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You know, Jesus is that bread of God. He came down from heaven to give us life. And I would ask you, have you experienced that life? Have you, have you received Jesus into your life, received the forgiveness for your sins, and been restored to a relationship with God? If you haven't done that yet, we have a, a great class that we offer. In fact, we're teaching it right now next door, the Loving Christ class. And if you need that, you need to sit down and talk with somebody, just what does it mean to have a relationship with God? How do I, how do I receive this bread into my life? Then you can just write that on your communication card and put it in the basket and someone will get in touch with you. Have you experienced that life? Jesus went on to say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He said, if you come to me, I can satisfy that hunger in your soul. If you come to me and allow me to fill you. See, we need God's word. We need Jesus who is the word. And man, the Bible just has so many beautiful passages about how God's word will bless your life. There's one passage in Psalm 19. It's not on your outline. You might want to jot it to the side. Psalm 19, I think starting in verse 7, it says, God's word is perfect. It refreshes your soul. It gives joy to the heart. It gives light to your eyes. God's word is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. Maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe your life is feeling really dark and gloomy right now. Well, feed yourself on God's word. Nurture that. Seek to fulfill that uh, hunger in you through getting God's word into your life. You know, there's a few phrases that kind of irritate pastors a little bit. They just kind of cringe a little bit. You know, sometimes somebody will pull me aside. You know, pastor, I, I enjoy your messages, but they're just a little too long. I know none of you have ever said that. Or then they, they really go for the heart They say, you know, your jokes really aren't funny. Oh, man, just that it really hurts. Somebody you love, they look you in the eye, they say, man, I'm so thankful for this church. This church has changed our lives, changed my family's lives, but we're moving to Sacramento or we're moving to Arizona and your heart just sinks, right? But if there's one that just kind of gets pastors angry, it's when somebody comes up and says, pastor, I'm just not being fed around here anymore. Ooh, those are fighting words. And, you know, I've talked to other pastors in all different kinds of churches. You know, it's funny. Every pastor has had people in their church telling that. It doesn't care what kind of preaching style they have, what kind of life group style they have. It doesn't matter. Pastors hear this, that people aren't being fed. And you know what I found? When somebody says that, I ask them, well, are you feeding yourself? Almost every time, no. They're not getting into God's word for themselves. They're not feeding themselves. And you know what the number one excuse is? I'm just too busy. I don't have time. I really would like to, but I just don't have time. But the truth is, you're feeding yourself every day. We live in this information age. Just so much more information than we can handle. And you're feeding yourself with sports information, and news information, and the office gossip, and business information, and family information, and entertainment on the TV, and everywhere else, but you don't have time to get any of God's Word in you. You're just filling up on all this other stuff. Some of that stuff's okay, some of it's good, but it's not what's best. And so it's crowding out God's Word, and people say, I just don't have time. And the truth is, you, you don't need to, to make the time, you need to take some time back. You need to say, this is a priority for me, and I'm going to turn some things off for a little while each day. Whatever that looks like for you. You could be driving to work in a car, sitting in traffic. You can put the Bible, it'll play for you in your car. I mean, isn't that amazing? You don't have to read it yourself. Somebody will read it to you. You can listen while you're sitting there in traffic, all upset. You get to work a few minutes early. Maybe you'll miss a little traffic. Get there, sit in your car, and read God's Word for a few minutes and pray. Turn off the TV. Don't don't go right to the TV or social media or whatever it is you do. Take a few minutes to turn it off and read God's Word. But it's not a very believable excuse to say that you're too busy to spend a few minutes to read God's Word. You've got to take some time back. A few years ago, Pastor Paul was on one of his crazy training quests. He was getting ready for a hike to go to Mount Whitney. He was doing all these long hikes, and uh, I like to hike. So one day he invited me to go with him. And I hadn't been training. He said, "Why don't you go hike with me?" And we went to Pleasanton Ridge. And he said, "We're just going to go seven or eight miles." I said, like, "Oh, okay." But I'm thinking, man, Pastor Paul likes to hike fast. I like to, you know, stop and enjoy, you know, smell the roses, enjoy the view. But I thought, okay, I think I can do this. So we were hiking. And I'm keeping up with him. I'm feeling pretty good about myself because he's been training. And I, I'm, we're going and going. And we're hiking. I'm drinking my water. We're going. We get about. We made a wrong turn somewhere. Where, so we looked at the map. And we realized our, our 7 or 8-mile hike had turned into an 11-mile hike. But that was okay. I was feeling good. And we got to about 8 miles. And all of a sudden, I just, man, it was like, whew, just like in a moment or two, I just lost all my energy. My legs weren't tired. I, I still had some air, but man, I just, man, I said, oh, Paul, I'm really sorry. Sorry, I know you want to keep going. You want to push through and train. I got to sit down a few minutes. I'm just feeling a little weak. I said, well, have you had anything to eat? He'd been eating nuts and trail mix, and I said, no, I wasn't hungry. I haven't had anything to eat. He said, well, you better eat something. I look at my bag, pull out a protein bar, eat a little bit. You know, within five or ten minutes, I started to perk back up. Started having, so I finished that hike, I felt pretty good, 11 miles, I just needed to take some time to refuel. But some of you, the only only time you're feeding on God's Word is when you come to church on the weekend, and then you go all week, and you wonder why you feel empty, and spiritually dry, and discouraged, and, and you wonder why you're not getting a lot out of your faith. And if you miss a week, if you miss a week, that means you're not eating on God's Word for two weeks, oh my gosh, I don't know how you can make it. So you got to take some time. You've got to feed yourself. you got to say, this is what matters. i got to put some of the right things into my mind, into my heart, into my soul. Do you know that even the animals know they got to do that? they got to take time to eat the right things. Do you know that? Man, there was this hungry lion. He was, he was going through the jungle, couldn't find anything to eat. And look, lo and behold, up ahead he saw these two guys under a tree. One of them was sitting there reading a book. And the other one was writing on his iPad, just writing away. Well, the lion knew which one was going to be good. He, he jumped in there, ate that guy reading right away, and took off. Man, he had a meal. And you know how he knew what to eat? He knows that readers digest, but writers cramp. He knew he had to get the right food. And you got to get the right food into your body. You know, my former friend, Larry Day, said that um, he asked me how to tell that joke. This morning, he heard it last night, and I told him, he goes, good, because we're having a bad joke contest at the Rotary Club this week, and I'm going to share. I was like, okay, Larry, we're done. We're through, okay? But you got to get the right things into you. The second biggest excuse is I just don't understand it. I don't understand what I'm reading. And the Bible's just so complicated. It's so big. Well, it's just like anything else. you got to jump in and just get started. This wise pastor... He said, don't focus, if you read and you don't understand 80%, don't focus on the 80% you don't read, you don't understand. He said, focus on the 20% that you do understand. Start trying to focus on that, start trying to obey that, and do that every day, and after a while, you're going to find out you, now you understand 25%, now you understand 30%, because you're training, and you're getting exposure to God's Word, and then you've got to, you've got to get it into your life. Hebrews, this is a very powerful passage, it says this, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Man, he's, writing on some, he's stepping on some toes. Hope it's not your toes, but I didn't write it, okay? You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. Now, I want you to notice you need somebody to teach you. Again, when you're a new believer, you need somebody to teach you. You need somebody to feed you. You're a spiritual baby. But you get fed a little while and you start training. You're supposed to start feeding yourself. He says, some of you, you need to still need the basic baby food. You, instead, you should be able to teach others. Again, the basic, you know, he says, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, let's look at that for just a minute, because man, he says, some of you aren't the sharpest tool in the shed spiritually. You're spiritually dull. As one of my friends says, you're a bag of hammers. You just don't get it. You don't listen. He said, man, you should be able to teach others now, but you're not able to even feed yourself. We have to feed you again. And then that's the, oh, I'm not being fed. No, he says, you train through, you, through training. We give you some basic tools to feed yourself, but it's really not that complicated. It's not that complicated to start doing it, but you have to have the, it's just like deciding to get into shape. There's all kinds of exercise programs but the truth is, you just need to start moving your body, find some exercises to do. You, it's, it's not that the, 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 what you do is so complicated, it's that you've got to do it. And that's what God's telling us. You've got to train yourself. You start training. First you train with somebody, then you start training yourself. You get into God's Word. Just like exercising, you don't just want to exercise once a week. You've got to do it regularly. You've got to do it daily. So I'm going to share, uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can get into God's Word. I'm going to share a method to help me a lot. It's my favorite one. I'm kind of random, so I'll do this for six months or a year or two years, and then I'll switch and do something else. But how many of you have ever read the Bible? I mean, you got real good, you get up, you read the Bible, you pray, and then you go get in your car or go to bed, and you go, what did I just read? Anybody ever do that? I've done it. Yeah, it's hard, right? You start thinking about all this other stuff. Here's something that will really help you to remember what you read. It's called The Soap Method. and You can get a life journal in the lobby. It's got a reading plan in there. has you read like four or five chapters a day. I don't find I like reading four or five chapters a day. It's too big a chunk. I like reading one or two. But you get your reading plan. You don't have to buy this. You can get your own little half-page notebook. Just a place for you to write some things down. Because you know what? If you write something down, you're a lot more likely to remember it. You're, you're focused, you're thinking about it. And so here's what the SOAP stands for, S-O-A-P. S is scripture. So you read a passage, you ask God to speak to you, show you what you need today, and you, you're, you're reading with a intentionality. You're not just reading a chapter, but I'm looking for one, maybe two verses that I'm gonna, It's going to be my verse for today. And then you write it down. So I use this passage here just to do a real simple one, Hebrews 5, uh, I chose verse 12, You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. And so I wrote that verse out. that will help you remember it. And then you write, oh, as you observe. One or two sentences, they don't even have to be complete sentences. Nobody's going to, you don't have to show this to anybody else. Nobody's going to be grading you. So you just write down, what's going on? What's the context of this passage? So I wrote, the author is chastising the readers who've not graduated from milk to meat. God expects us to grow through training and the discipline of getting into God's Word. So that's my observation. Kind of a little application in there too, maybe. A is my application. You write down, well, what am I going to do? So I said, I will continue to encourage others to feed on God's Word, to train, as it says in verse 14, and then encourage them to teach or share God's Word with kids or students or adults in a group, friends and family, Because you learn so much more by teaching, by sharing, by talking about it. So you write it down, and then you write a little short prayer about what you read and what you're going to do. So I wrote, Dear Jesus, please maintain a strong hunger for your word in my heart. Use me to encourage and train others to feed themselves so that they can teach the basics, the milk to others. And so that they are able to recognize right and wrong doctrine and right and wrong behavior. Give Crossroads a deep hunger for your word and the discipline to train and learn and grow. Thank you for your word. I love you, Dwayne. Real, you know, just jot down what you're thinking. The more you do it, the easier it'll get. But I'm telling you, it will help you focus. Now, it's not the only way to get into God's word. You can just read it. But again, if you're like me and sometimes you just read it and you don't remember, then you need something else. A lot of people like using devotional books like Jesus Calling Um, or our daily bread, which you can get for free in the lobby, or you can get free online. Uh, And a book I really love is The Purpose Driven Life. It's just set up for 40 days to get you in the habit of getting into God's Word and and teaching about Him. We have so many tools and resources, and so you got to commit that you're going to do it, and and you need to say, number four, you need to say, I'm going to fill up daily. I I need some of God's food daily. Before the nation of Israel went into the promised land, Joshua said this, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you don't just read it. Think about it. Chew on it. Digest it. You don't want the writer that's going to make you cramp. You want to digest it, okay? Meditate on it day and night. So you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God wants you to think about it. How am I going to apply this? How am I going to live this out? It's not just for information, but it's for transformation, to transform me. And then David said, every day, every day I will praise you. The Lord is near to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. I oh, it's a beautiful thing how worship and reading God's word and prayer, they all work together. Like you're singing a song, you listen to a worship song, it reminds you of God's truth, it reminds you of God's word. And you know, 34 years ago, I was a young man who didn't have a lot of peace in my life, didn't have a lot of purpose, living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and I made a commitment. I was tired of living that way. And said, God, I'm going to put you first, and I'm going to do my best to grow and know you more, and start reading your word and trying to obey it every day. And God began to change my life and my heart. And He's still working on me. I've still got a ways to go. But man, He's changed me. I had so much anger, I had so much uh, turmoil. I did not have peace, and He's given me peace and purpose and less anger. And God's just worked in my life, and He's done miracles through His word, through His Holy Spirit and His word in my life. And He'll do it in your life. And so here's our faith-building challenge. See, last week, we said we want you to worship privately, a passion for worship privately and publicly. But then for your hunger for God's Word, I want to challenge you to do something with me, okay? There's three weeks between now and Easter, 21 days. And there just happen to be 21 chapters in the book of John. So I'm going to ask you, Would you, for the, if you don't have anything you're reading regularly on your own, you don't have your own study Say, for the next 21 days, would you read a chapter a day in John with me? And then what I want you to do is go on to a Facebook. Maybe you don't use Facebook much. That's okay. That might be a good thing. But there is a Crossroads family group. Lance said don't call it a page. It's a group. So you're going to ask to join the Crossroads Crossroads family. Many of you are already in that group. And each day I'll try to post up something. I might not put my whole soap. You might not want to see it all, but I'll pull out, you know, but I'd love to see what God's saying to you, where you're at. Because one of the things I've learned, see, it's easy for me to get up and say, you know, I kind of know what the Bible says. I went to church a lot when I was a kid. I'm getting old. (laughs) I know what the Bible says. Oh, I want to find out something new, what's going on in the world. But I need to read God's word every day. You know why? because he'll speak to you where you're at, and it's funny, you'll read the same chapter today that you might have read a year ago, but God will show you something different, what you need today, and he'll show you something, and I'd love for you to just share a thought, or a verse, or a prayer request, or an application, right there, just share it, that will encourage me, and we'll all learn from you, we'll learn from each other, so I hope you would do that with me, that's my challenge to you. Don't waste what God has given you. So I want to share one last story with you from the book. So Nick Nick gets the author. He gets he arranged to meet some pastors who were persecuted in China, and in China basically um, they they didn't really care so much. The government didn't care if people believed in Jesus. They just didn't want these big groups getting together and threatening their power. And so they would meet in small um, house churches too. Uh, If they weren't part of the state church, they were these this group of house churches. And they would meet in groups of less than 30. But eventually, it seemed like every pastor would get arrested and go to jail for about three years. So they said that was their seminary. And so they would go to jail. But Nick wanted to come in and meet with some of these pastors, and words started getting around. And so they said, we're going to take a chance. We're, we're going to have more than 30 pastors. We're going to have as many pastors as we can get. So 170 pastors came together. It's an amazing time. And these pastors, they began to share and share their stories. Out of these 170 pastors, only seven had the Bible. Can you imagine trying to teach and preach? just all from what you know, what you've been told. They don't have copies of the Bible. And they're telling Nick all these stories. And Nick said it's like reading the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, all the miracles in the midst of the persecution, all the miracles that God was doing. I mean, they saw people healed. They saw people delivered from prison or needs met. He just said it was amazing. And he was so blown away how God was working there. He said, I haven't seen God l- work like that in the United States. This is just amazing. It's like, it's like living in the Bible times. And then they said, well, what is it like in America? What is the church like? So he started talking to him. He said, we don't have miracles like you have here. But we meet on Sundays and we do this and that. People start crying. He said, whoa, well, did I say something wrong? What's wrong? He said, oh, pastor. He said, we're wondering, why doesn't God love us as much as you? Look at the miracles he's doing in your church. Look at the miracles he's doing in your country. You can meet together and worship as many people as you want, and you're not having to look over your shoulder to see if somebody's going to come tear you away from your family, throw you in jail. He said, you have God's Word. He said this, there's a quote there on your outline. He said, you watched our leaders rip apart a Bible He came out one morning, and this guy was going around whispering to different leaders in the courtyard, and then he'd rip pages out of the Bible and give it to them. He ripped the pages out so that every house church pastor can take home at least a portion of Scripture to share with his people. So they were taking those seven Bibles and dividing them between 170. And they would say, hey, pastor, what book of the Bible have you not had a chance to teach? And Oh, I got Genesis. Ooh, I got Proverbs. I got Psalms. I got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I was feeling kind of sorry for the pastor that got Leviticus or Philemon, just one chapter. Man, I wanted a big one, you know. And I don't know what would be going on in the church. You got Song of of Songs, you know, Song of Solomon's for that. But they were getting the different books. And he said, you tell us that you personally, we have to rip our Bible up. He says, you personally have seven different versions of the Bible on a shelf in your office. And that you also own many Christian books and you regular, regularly read Christian magazines and newspapers, and yet you tell us that God's not doing miracles in your country? Oh, man, he said, "Ma, no, we, we, we just don't get it. We don't understand the miracle we have, the freedom we have. We take it for granted, and we don't open up our Bibles. And he said, we got to get into God's Word. We have to build a resilient faith. Don't waste it, because God wants to speak to you and me every day. would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Bible. And God, we we just have to confess, there's some days I I don't read your word. I put other things in my mind, into my soul, and I, I can feel it. I can tell when I haven't connected and refueled with your word. And God, we as a church... God, there's times we just neglect your word. And God, I pray that you would forgive us. And I pray that you would give us a hunger for your word. That we would know that there's nothing else we can do that's going to satisfy us or fill us up. And God, that instead of making excuses, we would take the time to get into your word for ourselves. That we would train ourselves by the daily use, the daily practice, the daily repetition of reading your word, praying about your word, and trying to apply it in our lives. God, I know you'll do amazing miracles as we open up your word, not just in our lives, but you'll use us to shine light into other people's lives around us and to do miracles in our community, God. And I just pray you would unleash the power of your word by giving us a hunger. I pray that Crossroads would be a church that is hungry for your word and passionate about sharing it with others, Lord. Help us. Forgive us when we take it for granted, Lord, but help us to feed ourselves and fuel ourselves. In Christ's name we pray, amen.